Okay, uh, before I let you go, I really appreciate all your time. Yeah, man. Can you can you say the name of your podcast so I can just put oh, it in? Boy. <laughs> I just want to put your voice saying it and not my voice saying it's, it. Hey, this is Casey. Listen to Chris's <laughs> Negro Please Radio. It's, it's Negro Please Radio. This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. This is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, and this is Casey McLean. Uh, support this podcast, please, if you would. Tell a friend, a loved one, a coworker. Put it on your Facebook wall. Share. Uh, do they, is it still called a wall? Share it to your uh, your Twitter account. TikTok about it. Post a clip of this podcast. Let me. I'll duet it with my own voice. I don't know. You post it with your voice. Whatever you can do, just let's get more people listening to this bad boy. Uh, today's guest is Chris Allen. Chris Allen is a comedian from Virginia. He, uh, he, I know about him because he tours with Mark Norman. He's a frequent mention on the Tuesdays with Stories podcast. He has a podcast that he has graciously uh, said the name for me for, which I will hopefully insert here. I suppose I probably should have put it on the soundboard but i was uh i'm unprepared it's it's negro please radio it's a hectic week i've got a lot going on in the mclean household uh chris is a also a military veteran a father he's a very funny guy i post I'll, there's going to be a clip of his stand-up later uh he has a joke that i actually i don't think there's any reason it should be controversial but i I could tell by the way that he told it that there was going to be people who got upset about it. So uh, there's actually a clip of his stand-up in the interview. We talk about it all. We talk about it all, everybody. If you if you want to hear it all, we talk about it. We talk about uh, the military. We talk about uh, racism in this country. Chris is a black man living in Virginia. Uh, it's obviously a a charged time politically in this country with with race being a very uh central topic of that political charge um i thought i thought it was a fun and interesting conversation in addition to having some some depth and some some meaning uh but overall i thought it was just funny and fun and uh chris is a really funny guy so please check out his podcast uh hopefully i have found the sound effect and i have added it multiple times so that you know exactly what his podcast is called subscribe to this podcast um there's a patreon page for this podcast i'm uninspired to continue putting effort into it because uh people aren't joining so uh maybe when i'm more popular i will put more effort into it but for now please just let's let's grow this bad boy and find my stand-up clips if you would on youtube i have 50 subscribers it's pathetic it's absolute. I can't even get my own URL. You know that I cannot get my own URL because you have to have a hundred subscribers. I just want YouTube.com/slash DKCMcLean. That's all I want. Everybody, please, for the love of God, go subscribe to the YouTube. Okay, this is Chris Allen. Uh, follow him at Chris Allen Comedy on all social media. Uh, I think he's Chris is even on TikTok. So go check us out on TikTok. I like TikTok. I never thought I would like TikTok. I thought TikTok was going to be 
the social media that we all just made fun of, and now it's you guys making fun of it, and me enjoying not only being on and getting feedback on TikTok, but there's even, I'll even say there's some videos that I find entertaining. Okay, no more further ado, this is Chris Allen. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash caseymcclain. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, cool. I think we're good. So, um, anyway, uh, I normally what I say at this point is that a guest, if they were going to say some inflammatory racial slurs, I would leave them in after this point. But I think we're safe. You've got you, you've got a uh, many of the racial slurs covered on your end. So, um, <laughs> what does that mean? You're allowed to say you, dude. I think I think black dudes can get away with a lot more racial slurs than white guys. Obviously, there's like a set a segment of racial slurs <laughs> that you can get away with. But you sound jealous, in, buddy. Oh, dude, I'm not. not that, I took. I, I paid a hundred dollars to take a DNA test because I'm so jealous. <laughs> that's that's like one of Norman's bit. How you got all these like white people taking these DNA tests just so they just so they're not white. Like, come on, give me something. Oh fuck! I actually now I gotta drop the bit finally, but I do have a I have a bit exactly like that. That's oh uh, really? Uh. Yeah, it's literally like uh, I took it. I, that's truly the my main incentive to take it was like give me something, and it's one hundred percent white. It toggles between zero and one percent Native American. That's all I Ooh, get. That's enough to get a casino, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was, did. Uh, a, I, I did. Mo, I did Mohegan Sun uh, last. Sometime last year, it doesn't matter when, but I was walking by like the, uh, the leadership pictures of like all the people oh, sure. who run the different departments or whatever. Like this is the food and beverage guy. And then like the head chief who like ran the whole casino was like, she was like chief, like walking bush fire starter. It was just some white lady. It's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I, I went to, uh, to, I grew up on an Indian reservation. And uh, my wife did too, weirdly enough, um, different reservation. And there was a school. I remember there was a kid. Oh, man. Now I want to say Walking Bush. You said Walking Bush? It was something weird. I just made it up. That might. It's It was something with a W. And he was like the whitest dude I've ever seen. He looked like. Uh, oh, wait. I think I, I muted you on purpose. I think you might have. Oh, OK. I'm, 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 figuring, I'm trying to figure out, like, why is my sound so weird right now? Did it get echoey all of a sudden? Let's see. Uh, there we go. Are you good? It's playing on my speaker as well, and I don't. It's playing on my laptop as well. Oh, let me. Here's what I let me. I bet oh, this did, will. I bet this I will do fix that. It. Well, this, is it better now? Did it stop? Oh, now? it's gone now. 
Okay, yeah, the, I think you picked your speaker when you went into the. Oh, that's the, I made a mistake. Yeah. All right. My oh, no worries. I got. I have it recording on multiple sources, so. There you go. So, should be good. So responsible. <laughs> it's like a double double condom kind of guy. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude, dude, you're also like one of the few comedians that is on time for a podcast. I'm nobody. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like I'm I'm compulsively early to everything. I yeah. so you, we I want to talk about a little bit about uh your military service because yeah, I was this is not a this is like the least um honorable thing you could possibly do but I almost joined the navy when I was like 20. I was like talking to recruiters and stuff and uh I had this actual thought then because I wanted to be a stand up back then was is is joining the military going to make me not funny? And I'm. Do you think that joining? How do you think being in the military affected your sense of humor? Uh, I think it helped. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, do you meet so many different people? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and honestly, it's helped me build a network as well because I've lived. Uh, I li uh, I wasn't doing comedy when I lived in Colorado, but I did live out there for a little bit, so I know some people out there. But with me moving, and I I started in in, in um in Vegas, so okay. Uh, I have friends on the West Coast, uh, and I have friends all over the Midwest and on the East Coast. So I think as a as far as as a as a being a comic goes, it in the long run, it's really helped me because I can say. I don't think I've been anywhere where I didn't know somebody in mm. comedy or, you know, I can get somebody to come to a show. Um, like a lot of times, man, when I'm on the road with, with Norman, like people will come up to me and go, Hey man, uh, you know, Clayton Spakes told me to come check you out. I'm like, Oh, okay. And that's somebody I, I work with in Ohio, you oh, know, sure. or somebody, Oh, someone so told me to come check you out. It's like, Oh, okay. I was stationed with that guy in Arizona or in Korea. So it's, uh, it's, it's really helped me out. But as far as like comedy goes, it's helped me out because, you, you like I was a maintenance guy. I had a pretty big shop. It was probably about twenty, thirty of us in there, and you got guys ranging from uh in their you know late thirties, early forties, all the way down to a nineteen year old, and from all over America, and in some cases, some people are you know they're from other countries. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's just a it, it gives you a diverse audience. You learn you you hear different accents. You hear people's stories. I mean, so you get to learn a lot about people. And I think learning a lot, uh, learning about people is it, it can only help you in comedy, you know. So, yeah, that's a, I was uh, I did like manual labor while I was going to college, for, and tell. then well after, <laughs> did you say you can tell? <laughs> you, you know, Sean Donnelly has that manual labor. Oh face. yeah, you kind of got it. Yeah, that's such a, yeah. I got a, I have a little bit of manual labor face. What I have now is uh, soft hands and the beard still sticking and a, around, and probably a nice house too. So yeah, it's all right. It's out. all right. I, I see your door handles. You got a nice house. It's all right. Yeah, there's also a plastic garbage can behind me uh, in a hey. bedroom, so it can't be that nice. Nah. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, I also, uh, so I, I did manual labor, and I think that is the place where if you don't want to join the military, you, you will go. find diverse audiences right. at, you got, in exactly. manual labor. Yeah, you I, got, I, yep. Some of the, around a foosball table at a box factory, I have heard some of the most hilarious and racist shit ever said like loudly in public by people of every fucking background uh yeah. that's what the military was like man like once you got to know people it's just racial joke after racial joke 
Uh, yeah, dude, we go, we go hard, man. We, we, we used to go hard, man. We went very hard when I was a maintenance guy, man. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you wish you could like the, the, cause this is what I feel like whenever I hear people talk about uh racial shit in comedy and how you shouldn't ever like a white person should never make a joke about race or whatever. I want to be like, you got to go talk to like a homophobic black dude in Denver that's driving a forklift and make sure that like that dude's not signing on to whatever you're talking about like, oh yeah yeah <laughs> i i know yeah uh, yeah he, he he's not yeah yeah i mean it, it the racial stuff has really gotten weird over the last uh five years in, in comedy uh you know i i love doing racial humor but like with all this and i'll be honest man with the last in the last like 10 months it really makes me start rethinking like some of this stuff like should i really, oh, really? be telling yeah dude because i mean you don't know why people are laughing like before you did yeah it's just comedy but now you hear certain laughs and you look at certain people and go you know what i think this motherfucker might really feel this way man so it, it does for a second it gives you pause especially as a black dude and mm -hmm. you know working with who i work with we do a lot of white crowds man and i have to like check myself sometimes i don't want to go too far i don't want to get too comfortable you know, and I don't like doing comedy that way, but I, I you have to be careful. I, I think nowadays with, with some of the stuff you're doing, you don't you don't want to play with fire too much, man. But uh, I'm a, I'm a free speech dude. I think people should be able to joke about what they want to joke about. I don't tell comics what they can and can't say. If I don't like jokes, that's completely fine. Like if I have a joke you don't like, as a, I'll try to help you punch it up. I probably don't like it because it's bombing and it's turning the room. <laughs> but other than that, I'm not like, hey, man, you can't say that. Do what you want to do. The audience is going to let you know if they like it or not. You know? Yeah, I I like that out of uh, out of fellow comics. I think that the... That's to me is like that's a, a manual labor thing too, right? Is it's like all that gives, all that matters is the. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up talking about this. Uh, miss it, huh? <laughs> all that matters is the result, right? Like all that matters is does the crowd. And I, I do think the thing that you said about the crowd laughing for the wrong reasons is interesting. I'm trying to think of like, there's the the big controversial Chappelle joke about uh, Michael Jordan or not Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, and uh, how he he's like. Because I don't think there's anybody that's so, so like, it's got to be such a small portion of the audience that when he praises Michael Jackson, they're like, yeah, because I'm a, because I want to fuck kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. So do you think people, when you do a racial joke, because I worry about that laugh, but I worry about it because I think that the dude that's in the crowd that's racist could see me doing that joke and be like, oh, we're on the same side of this. It seems crazy to me that that same dude would see you doing a similarly racial joke and uh, and be like, oh, that guy and I are on the same side of this racial issue. Well, I mean, not to, I don't really want to dive into politics. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't want to do that to your podcast. But like what, <laughs> there's certain black personalities out there, uh, political pundits and comedians. Uh, there's a couple of guys that kind of look very similar to one another. <laughs> they might be twins. Uh, <laughs> where uh, I I don't agree. You know, fuck it. I don't I don't like I don't I don't agree with a lot of shit that I would say most of uh, anything that uh, Candace Owens ever says. But sure. at the same time, I try not to talk shit about her because it's like you know what? That's a black woman. 
and she's I attractive, like and I would she's never. A, yeah, she's a, yeah, she, and that's honestly, man, that's why she is as popular as she is. She's just oh, a young, sure. cute black woman, and when you listen to her, it's like she's really not bringing any new ideas. It's just a new face, and yeah. if I'm being even more honest, like how the left will like uh, they'll really uplift, like say maybe like a, a gay comic or a trans comic or whatever it is, and they might not be the the best comic in the world, but they kind of like lift them up and go, hey, this person. You know, we like what they represent, and that's completely fine. But the right will go, oh, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, you kind of do the same thing with black Republicans. You kind of put them on this weird pedestal, and you kind of show them off like, oh, look at her. She's not like the rest of them. Um, So with a lot of that coming to light these days, I'd never want to come across as an anti-black person or an anti-black comic at all. You know, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the Hodge twins. Uh, I had no idea what their act was like until somebody sent me some of the videos about some of the stuff that was going on. And I was like, yo, I really don't rock with this shit, but I'm never going to say they shouldn't be able to do comedy. Sure. You know, I'm not going to get online and talk shit about their acts. Yeah. You know, I, so. my, my, my best friend is a, an actuary and he, um, predicted that this election was going to be a lot closer because. He uses gambling odds as his like proxy for American opinion, et cetera. Really interesting because he was way closer than any of the the uh like forecasting outlets. But mm-hmm. he sent me the first uh the first gambling odds for the twenty twenty four election. And Candace Owens and AOC have the exact same odds. Oh, which really? to me is like the funniest and most poetic <laughs> shit. Cause it's like, oh, the two like attractive young women on right. either side. With right. like extreme views, right? They're basically the same person, right? They're yeah. yeah, they're like the spy versus spy, except for uh, you know, well, one's white and one, or one's black and one is Latina. Yeah, but. it's it's the uh, it's that Spider Man meme of them pointing at each other. It's just <laughs> like you're both nuts, you know? Yeah, they're in in sixty years, the stories of like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg being friends with Antonin Scalia. Are going to be those two out like having drinks together? Oh, and that's, dude, that's how it works, man. It's like, you know, uh, all these guys, they get on these new shows and they fight with each other, but at the end of the day, they're all part of the same group. Mm -hmm. They're all part of the same group. Even look at the politicians. It's like they all, they all, they're all co workers. They all work together. You know? Yeah. You shared a while back um, a dude talking about gun control that I thought was a pretty interesting video. I don't know if I would like, I think there were some, some, like maybe some logical disconnects for me, but like I thought that was pretty interesting because I I come from like a liberal family, but uh, or mostly liberal family, but like my my dad hunted and shit. Like right. we have guns. Like I don't we we're not like we are responsible gun owners. I suppose I think that issue gets turned into like oversimplified by so many people. Yeah, would you consider your family like uh, fuds? What's fuds? What is uh, that? Fud, mean? fud are people. Fuds are people who they like guns, but it's really just for hunting and stuff, and some and self protection. But they're not yeah. into like the tactical stuff, getting the ARs oh, yeah. and putting rails. And so you would consider you 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 grew up with like the more of a fud mentality. Yeah, is that is fud Elmer fud? Is that yeah? The, is that the reference? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. For sure. I think. I think that. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I have a. I always. This is the example I give everyone. My cousin is from Spokane, Washington. If you've never been, it's like the one city on that side of the state. Around it is nothing. Like right. it's just just vast desert. Uh he moved to a city that's like 20 miles outside of Spokane called Deer Park, uh which is it was too metropolitan for him, so he moved 
like 20 miles north of that to a city called Elk. Like, he oh, lives man. on top of, they just like dumped a bunch of dirt on top of a junkyard, and that's the house that he lives on. It takes 30 minutes for the sheriff to come. Listen, man, I live in a neighborhood where there's like a lot of, it's a very densely populated area. I don't think I need to have a million guns at my house. I'm right. going to call the police before I ever use a gun. But my cousin that lives in Elk, that it takes 30 minutes for the sheriff to arrive at his house, he's got different needs than I do. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it, it really is, uh, you're right. People really do try to just uh, oversimplify things. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of taking things away from everybody else just because a certain group of people can't control themselves. Yeah. You know, I, it's the, and, and, you know, and both sides do it, but like the liberal, get rid of, it's like you can't get rid of guns. If you want to empower women, you know, that, that's one way. I mean, I, I've been married for 15 years, man. Uh, and, you are you married? Yeah, I'm married. So, so you, as a guy, you've been if you've been married for a while, you actually start to really see how dangerous things are for women. Because as a single guy, you, you know you you hear stories, but when you live with a woman, you hear like, God, this guy approached me at the gas station. This happened at the grocery store. Oh, I know. This happened. You go, man, it really is different for women. So, I mean, I think carrying a gun, of course, like you know, you, if you're talking to somebody super liberal, of course, no one should assault anybody. But you can't. We can tell guy, hey guys, don't assault women all day. Yeah. But it, people are gonna do what they're gonna want to do. You know what I mean? So why yeah. not protect yourself and and and, and carry a firearm? And uh, I just don't think it's anybody's place to say like, hey, you shouldn't have or you can't have an AR-15. It's just like as long as I'm doing things above board, I'm obeying the law. Why should I not be able to have an AR-15 and 30 round magazines? You know, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. And, and I'm a I'm a progressive guy. I, f I feel like I'm pretty fucking liberal, freaking liberal. I'm not. You can a, swear. I don't care okay. unless it's a personal I'm, thing you're worried no, about. No, I was just wasn't sure. I'm not. Uh, I'm not pro-abortion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but it's not my it's not my place to say what a woman does with her body. And I feel like it's you should people should reciprocate and go, hey, you know what? I don't really like guns, but who am I to say that somebody else shouldn't have them? You know, it's just like, I'm yeah. not a pro-abortion guy, but I understand, like you said, there are certain situations where it's warranted and mm -hmm. we live in America. If a woman just decides like, you know what? I just don't want this baby. That's her right to choose that. And if you don't like it, that's, Hey, you just got to get over it. Yeah. I had a, I had a joke written before gay marriage became legal. Uh, the good old days, was... huh? No, <laughs> <laughs> but my joke was like, uh, it was like, uh, gay marriage is like, to me is like tomatoes it's like i don't like them uh but i don't have to have them you know like if you don't want a gay marriage don't have one and uh i would never pick it outside of like a tomato farm and waste my time like that and that's kind of the way i feel about it. it's like uh you say like care why not carry a firearm well like if you don't want to carry a firearm that's fine too right like yeah, don't, you don't have to right but you should have the option you know that's all yeah, and that's, you know, the other thing that, uh, so I have a wife, we've been together for 10 years, we've been married for five, um, and then we just, we have a, what is she, like a 14, no, 16-month-old daughter, and that really changes your view of safety, I think. I think, yeah. uh, I like, my wife, so this is the, like, uh, this is maybe, it's either gentlemanly, I, this is the problem I have. Okay. There's parts of my life that I, like, I think they're gentlemanly and my wife appreciates them, but... In another context, if someone wants to tilt their head the wrong way, maybe I'm just Mike Pence, right? Like when we, when my wife and I were long distance, 
we didn't have dinner with it. Like we would never hang out with people of the opposite sex alone. Right. Okay. I feel like that's respectful. But then when Mike Pence does it, everyone hates him. Uh, we're, again, we're very liberal people. Uh, I walk my wife to, if it's dark, I walk my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, my sister, all to their cars. I never let them leave our house and walk to their car. We again, we live in like a pretty densely populated neighborhood. Right. So, so there are people around and I walk them to their car. Uh, I never thought about that before we started dating. It's not like I come from a family of cowboys that are all gentlemen like that. Like that's right. just, I was like, fuck, this is, I do not want this woman to get hurt on her yeah. way to the car when I could have so, cause it's what you're talking about too is I think is it's not even like I'm going to fight the person. It's like, it's never going to, nobody is going to attack my wife if I'm there. You know what I mean? Like, like the threshold for attacking me and my wife is way different than the threshold for attacking my wife. Oh yeah. It's, it's a big deterrent. They see a guy, they go, nope, that's not an easy target. And I hate to use that right. word, but that's, that's what, that's what criminals look for. They look for easy targets and targets of opportunity. And if mm -hmm. they see a, you know, a woman by herself, um, that's a way more advantageous. That's, that's easier for them to do versus you and your wife. You know what I mean? So th they're, they're looking for people by themselves. They're looking for victims. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it sucks. I will, it sucks that we live in a world where people can't walk to their cars or you have to walk a woman to a, her car or, you know, you can't walk down certain alleys or you can't leave your drink uncovered at a, at a club or a bar. It sucks, but we are where we are, you know, and we have to do what we can to kind of mitigate, uh, you know, bad things happening. And mm -hmm. the thing is, things are going to happen anyway. Uh, why not try to, to uh, alleviate any other possibility of, of negative things happening by watching your back or, you know, walking somebody to their car or, you know, whatever, or carry yeah. a gun. And the, and the falsehood is that we have to stop. Like we go, oh, well, we're, we're just going to infantilize women and never try to fix the other problem. And it's like, no, you could, you could try to fix the other problem also. Right. But like, why have the bloodshed in between? You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. You know what's funny about this pandemic, man? We're really learning what the costs of freedom is and what they are, mm. you know, because we've been going through this for almost a year now. And other countries, they might be doing well, but they don't have the freedoms that we have. And it's just like, look, man, even with the guns, you know, hey, if we want to have guns, if we want to keep the guns the way uh, the gun laws, the way that they are, if people want to be able to have AKs and AR-15s and all this kind of stuff, it's like, guess what? Every once in a while, a bunch of innocent people are going to get killed. You know, yeah, same yeah. with this pandemic. It's just like when you have freedom, when you can't tell people what to do, guess what? Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die because people have the right to do what they want to do. It, it, it's a weird thing. You know, I love having freedom, but it, it, I wish I wish uh, that human beings didn't have the history that we have, the distrust of like either is police or the government or white people or black people. We we have a history and it makes it gives people pause. Like I don't want to take a vaccine. I don't want to not. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to be told what to do because we we've seen throughout history when when governments grab power, when they grab people right, they don't give them back. I and I it, there's this part of me that kind of applauds that people that are like fuck that man. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing that. It's like hell yeah. But it, and also part of another part of me is like come on dude, just get on board. You know what I mean? It's it's a weird it's a weird thing, man. It's a weird thing because nobody wants to wear a mask. Nobody wants to do that shit. Yeah, I think that we all want to think that if, 
like uh, Nazi Germany were happening or slavery were happening in front of us, we would have our our 2020 mentality. We would understand society through the lens of 2020, and we would know it was wrong, and we would fight hard against it. But I can guarantee you that the I don't think that the mask thing is that by any means. But I'm, yeah, I just I think like in the real moment that we're in, in the exact moment you're in, looking at it, I think it's hard to tell who's gonna be an who's the abolitionist and who's the slave owner, right? Like, I I think we all know now that obviously slavery was horrific. Oh but yeah, everybody went along with it in Nazi yeah. Germany. Everybody went along with it. Part of yeah. it is that the government doesn't give us all the information, but the right. other part is like. We're all just kind of like reflections of our own society. Yeah, that's what's scary about it. Because, you, you, yeah, you think about slavery, you think about Nazi Germany, and you go, what the fuck happened to where most people were just on board with it? Right. You know? Yeah. And, and that's why, like, a lot of times I hate, like, uh, uh, when certain people watch those movies like Rosewood or like a slavery movie, and there's always that one good white person that's, that decides to hide the slaves or they want to fight back against slavery because too many people see themselves as that guy or that yeah. woman. And you go, no, you would have been the person walking by or telling them, hey, dude, don't do that. You're going to get people riled up. Just just let it go. You know, everyone yeah, thinks that they're, they're they would be a good person. They see themselves as a hero. But no, most people are just, they're just, they let shit happen. They let to it me, happen. To me, it's the same kind of fantasy as when you're like, oh, in a past life, I was a prince. And it's like, there was no past life chimney sweeps. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's way more chimney sweeps than there are princes. Right. Exactly. You were just, a, yeah, you were, no, you were another nobody. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, like, uh, throughout this, you've had, uh, you have a, what, he's an eight-year-old? Yeah, he's eight. Uh obviously this is like a like a how have you dealt with the the pandemic i feel very lucky by the way because the pandemic started when my daughter was like six months old and now she's 16 months old and it's tough but parents that have school-age kids man my wife is a teacher even and oh, i wow. fucking cannot imagine like it's gotten exponentially harder for us just going from six to 16 months because when this started she wasn't like this is crazy to think about when it started she wasn't walking. And now she's walking and talking and climbing and fucking all over the place. She almost uh, like high dived off of her high chair yesterday. Like oh, I remember it's a those whole days. another thing. Yeah, man. dude, you you turn around and put something in the fridge, and they're standing on the tray. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you like you, you? I think you've got to. I mean, obviously, every age has its own set of challenges. But how? What? Like, how have you dealt with it? Uh, you know what? It's it hasn't been too bad, man. And like you said, every every stage has the, its different, um, you know, uh, pros and cons. He's eight, so he can get his own breakfast, you know. Um, he's a smart kid. He goes to school. We got. I will say this: we got very lucky with his school hours. He only goes from eleven fifty to three fifty, two fifty mm -hmm. every day. So it's only three hours a day. So he gets up. He gets on seesaw. He does all his work. I check it, and then. Uh, he, he eats lunch and then he goes to class. He has a bunch of breaks and, and sometimes I let him play games in between breaks. So that hasn't been bad. Um, and the, I'm re retired military, so uh, I don't feel too stressed out about having a job because I get disability and I get uh, a retirement and my wife works, works from home. Mm. So it's been okay. It can be stressful at times because he has ADHD pretty bad sure. and He's on medication and sometimes he can really crash 
after the medication and, you know, get really emotional and it can be a lot to deal with. But I would say, dude, for the most part, we've been fairly lucky, fairly lucky um, with handling everything. I would say the the hardest part for me is um, was dealing with the social aspects of everything when George Floyd and the riots yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Because I really feel like a lot of kids, they grow up way too fast. And I, I was like, I want my son to be a little boy. You know, mm-hmm. I want kids to be kids. Don't worry about all this stuff that's going on. But it really forced our hand to start talking about a lot of racial shit uh, before we felt like we were ready. And, but maybe it's, it's for, it's for the good. Maybe we were, we were being a little too optimistic about what America is and, and trying to hide things from him. And uh, so, you know, that's been kind of tough cause he's such an innocent kid, man. And all kids are, and to have to talk to him about this kind of stuff, it just, it just hurts, but it, you know, it is, it is what it is. And uh, you know, it, it's gotta be tough for everybody, man. And, uh, so that's, that's been the, the toughest thing. And it's been tough for me too, adjusting to civilian life. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's, it's really not easy because in the military and in, in the job that I had, I, I was used to being around a certain class of people. And when you get out in the real world, you get around, you get to be around sh- a lot more shitty people mm-hmm. and a lot more shitty opinions. And, you know, I saw some of the people who I thought were up here with their opinions, over the last nine months where I'm like, man, I really thought I knew this person. And guess what? I don't. So that's been, that's been tough, man. Like just struggling with a lot of racial stuff for me is, it's really bothered me because being in the military, man, I've been surrounded by a lot of white people and a lot of conservatives. Mm -hmm. And I felt like for years I might've been blind to things because of the environment that I was in. And I have to be honest, I've, I've, I felt guilt about it, about, you know, about certain issues. Like, because you, didn't like speak up on them or what what do you yeah not being able to speak up because i'll be i'll be i'll be honest about this as well like having obama as president while i was in that was tough you know working around a lot of these alpha male white guys that hated that shit and being a lower ranking person and hearing a military member officer and enlisted talking shit about the commander-in-chief and i can't really say anything and then you know you Mm -hmm. can't go to your leadership because let's be honest a lot of them are the same way you know, and then and, and seeing social media take off the way it did and seeing people post shit about Obama and, and, and just stuff like that that was hurtful that I felt like people wanted me to speak on because they knew me as a comic. I couldn't because of my because of my day job, because of what, mm-hmm. what I was signed on to do. I I can't say anything. Even with Trump the last couple of years. I mean he's he signed my fucking um retirement paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of shit that was going on. You just gotta you gotta stay quiet and you kinda get like uh conditioned to do that. And it's I and I keep saying I, I got to be honest, but I have to be honest. It's been scary being able to, realizing that I can say what I want to say because I, I still kind of have I don't know I don't think Stockholm syndrome is it, but I've been kind of been uh, institutionalized, if you sure. will, to keep your mouth shut. Don't complain. Just keep your mouth shut. I, it's been like that for twenty years, so I'm still getting used to being a civilian with the right to say whatever I want to say. You know. Yeah. I've always, so my my I had this kind of lofty aspiration when we had our daughter which was that uh if I was ever going to show her TV it was going to be like nature documentaries and shit like that. And then a couple things happened. One, Sesame Street's basically raising her right now. Like we're fucking struggling, right? Like yeah. uh my my wife and I both work from home. Uh basically oh, I take like I take like 4 hours out of the day. Our daycare shut down by the way. Yeah. because of uh multiple positive covid cases so it's like it's down indefinitely 
So, like, during the day, I take, like, four hours off during the middle of the day to watch her, but I'm trying to still do some work. So Sesame Street's, like, our third parent, basically. Right. But I, I had this lofty goal, and then right when she was born, uh, Planet Earth went off of Netflix, and it got replaced by Our Planet, which is, like, I think the same creators, and it's David Attenborough as the narrator. Uh, we watched but, it. Okay, so but the, the difference between Planet Earth and Our Planet is... It goes from being a thing about animals to the whole fucking thing is about climate change. Yeah. Dude. And I'm like, I well, my, here's my thing. is like, I'm like, my daughter, if, if we're watching this when she's two, obviously when she's three months old, she's not going to know anything. But right. if we're watching this when she's two and this very smart sounding British guy is projecting the end of civilization, that's a lot to take in as a two year old. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. And so I can't, like, I feel like that's. The that I, I I posited that to a friend of mine and he's like, Why don't you think you should talk to your kid about that at that age? Which is like a very not parent thing to say. Yeah, they don't understand what you're talking about, man. Yeah. That's so that's kind of the where like I think the thing with talking to your son about George Floyd is oh and, and all of the obviously like Brianna Taylor yeah. and everything that's happened, uh and it's all been very magnified for a lot of reasons, right? One is millions of people are out of a job. So right. there was everybody was available to right. protest. Everybody's at home watching it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and everyone's at home watching it. I also uh, I kind of so this is a this is probably a little navel gazy and might be a little bit of me like being the white savior in a movie, but I think about this a lot when I get to be a black father. Uh, what I think I will do is <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, nothing. Um, but what I, I've always thought this like. Uh, there's we we have this like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, right? And that has to be completely in place of like legislating for equality. And what I will tell, I mean, maybe the the actual good example is what I will tell my daughter is nobody's ever going to do you any favors as a woman, so you better be better than every fucking man or whatever. Like you have to be better to get ahead. That's the thing I'm going to tell her as a dad. But then what I'm going to vote for is for her to have an easier path through the system. Wow, and what yeah. I'll, you know, what, you know what I, so just because I have this mentality that she's going to have to work hard doesn't mean like that's the way I think it should have to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense, man. Um, that make that, that makes, that makes total sense. I don't you know, know if I'm just seeking validation as a parent right now. Or no, what? dude, no, no, no. I mean, there's, I mean, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because as a first time parent, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I, I'm the same way with my son, man. I don't I don't want to raise my son with a, with a victim mentality, mm -hmm. you know. But I I want him to be very aware of his uh of his, you know, his history, who we you know his skin, what he looks like, and how he's perceived. But I don't want to. I also don't want to pass down any of my hangups to him, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, because the world changes. And I think that's a problem in certain um, aspects in society. And I think this is more of a socioeconomic thing than it is a racial thing. And in certain environments where you have a lot of um, grandparents that raise kids, you know, like in sure. the Appalachians or, you know, just these poor communities because the mom's got two jobs or, you know, she's in jail or she's just on drugs or just not responsible. And what happens is you have these older parents who raise kids, uh, in the seventies, in the eighties, in the nineties, teaching their kid, t teaching their grandkids to survive in a world that doesn't fucking exist anymore. 
Sure. You know, because I remember as a little kid, man, like um, we would go to the store and somebody's uncle would be like, keep your hands off your pockets. You don't want white people to think you're stealing. I'm like, this isn't 1964, man. It's 1994. I don't have yeah. to, you know, you know, keep your receipt in your hand when you walk out the door. It's like, why are you putting all this shit in my head? You know, I get that you want people to be aware, but sometimes it's like you can make people uh, you can make people uh, anxious, you know. And give them yeah, anxiety about shit. I mean, that's that, fucking trauma, dude. That's, yeah, yeah. That's that's. Uh, I agree. Like that's. That, I've I've talked about this before on this podcast, but uh, and I'm uh, it's a sensitive topic, obviously, especially in what we're talking about. I don't think that statistically, police shootings are a great example of uh, systemic racism. Um, like, why, why do you say that? So. Uh, like, and I'll just run through the stats very quickly. There's like twice as many white people get shot and killed as black people. White people, of course, represent like six times as much of the population. Uh, but the, the frequency that they get shot and killed by the police is so small on both of them that our human brains can't deduce that. Like we can't parse out the probability in our brains, but what we can parse out is like the way the media, both left and right media, cover them, right? Okay. And they turn them into these, like, big divisive issues. Um, so those are acts of individual racism that are probably, like, in a, in a roundabout way spawned by... But to yeah. me, the problem is shit like the uh, arrest rates and the wealth gap, and those shitty are, like, education. actual... Yeah, but, shitty but, education. But all, that, but all that, I think it aggregates to... It, 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 it culminates to... Uh, treating and yeah, because I I I have to disagree with you. I just I feel like all of that, uh, in the end, compounds to a cop going. Well, you know what? Fuck this dude. I can leave my knee on his neck because nobody's gonna care. And the thing is, they don't. And the thing is, white people don't give a shit when uh cops kill white people because every white guy and I'm not saying you're this guy, but they're like they kill us twice as much. And I'm like, why don't you care? That's not no, okay. And I'm not saying I, you I, don't care. And I'm like, yeah. that's not okay. P people in positions of authority killing people for the silliest reasons. It is, it's insane. I feel like they really have an, an us plus uh, us versus them mentality. And dude, so I think, think it starts, oh, it starts young because I got a buddy and I, I grew up in the inner city in Rochester, New York, and the city school district isn't what it, it used to be a lot better. But now, dude, like uh, in these inner city schools, my buddy, he teaches him. He's a psychiatrist in Baltimore. They don't even really try to help these kids now. It's just like you have kids in middle school when they act up, they just call the police. And now all of a sudden this kid has a police record and it turns out like they have a learning disability. But now mm -hmm. this 12 year old kid, he's starting his life of a paper trail. Yeah. And by the time he's 18 or 19, it's all this little nitnoid shit that he did in high school. But kids, but cops see, oh, this is a hardened criminal. He's been getting in trouble since he was 12. And I think when 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 they see a record like that, that makes them go, you know what? This person doesn't th this person doesn't care. I really think that when dealing with people of color, they feel like they can get away with a, with a lot more. They they yeah. they, they really I, do. Well, I absolutely think that's true. By the way, what I and I, I just want to represent my point. I don't necessarily want to argue it to the point that you. I understand because yeah, I'm because I'm but, oh, dude. I'm done arguing about it too. But uh, yeah, I, sure. I, I don't mind discussing it. So, so the, what, what I would say is, so Glenn Lurie, uh, is an economist, I think teaches at uh, Brown university. Uh, he's the guy that I heard this from, but I can't, I don't think he wrote the paper, but there's a, 
a study out there that suggests that if you adjust for socioeconomic status among white and black people, their uh, police brutality is roughly equal. However, again, systemic racism would, to me, systemic racism is there are a lot more white people in higher socioeconomic classes. Right. And, and so, and for me, the, the thing that where this is where the conversation stops for a lot of people is they I get go, where you're going. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, so my thing is a lot of people go like, well, so that's, it's equal. So we don't have to think about it anymore. Right. And it's like, why don't we, why is the next question not, well, why are there so many poor black people? Why are there so many people in these poor socioeconomic conditions? Like, why aren't we fixing that? Why, why do we, we wipe our hands at the end of that, you know? And obviously, yeah, like, yeah, the guy know, you're, yeah. the kid you're talking about, uh, the, the, I mean, I think it's a hypothetical kid, but that it's, has this shit yeah, on his record. Yeah, I, but, but it, it, it happens all the time. All For the sure. time. Yeah. But that, and that, that shit is compounding though, right? Because that shows up on his college application. It if, shows yeah, up if, maybe even on if job they make, applications. Yeah, even if they make it that far. I'm, I'm talking inner city Baltimore where sure. their graduation rates aren't, aren't great. You yeah. know, a lot of these inner city, uh, you know, schools where like, you know, uh, cause a lot of my friends where I, that I grew up with in my, in my neighborhood, I would say 90% of them dropped out in ninth grade. So, yeah. um, well, that's like, this is a, I think a good example for my area. I live okay. near Seattle. I don't live in Seattle. Uh, the average white family in Seattle has $425,000 in family wealth. The average black family in Seattle has $25,000 in family wealth. That disparity is much more noticeable and obvious to me than specifically police shootings. I, I get what you're saying. You you don't you just don't think it's the end all be all when it comes right. to right. And I and I and I it, you know and I hate to use the phrase, but you know they say if it if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. So you know, um, yeah, dude, it, it's uh, it's 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 very it's very weird, man. I I just really feel, and I used to want to be a cop. That's why I joined the military. I was like, I'm gonna be a cop for four years. I'll get I'll come out, I'll get out, I'll go back home and be a cop. Um, I just really feel like they just they know they can get away with, you know, um, <laughs> doing shit to us. And they know they're backed by a lot of people in this country. I mean, look at Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, people mm -hmm. got it, it. It it amazes me how quickly. And I'm I'm a pro gun. We I'm a pro gun guy. Right. One hundred percent. But it's so crazy to me how quickly we can raise millions of dollars for a kid like that or millions of dollars for somebody else that killed a black person. But we can't raise money to feed for poor people but in a matter of two days we got two million dollars for this fucking kid to get out of out of jail because he was somewhere he shouldn't have been yeah you know yeah is it even yeah. did, did you see the the wall did you look at the gofundme for the wall <laughs> oh no i think they i heard took about it, it. I dude, they took it down you, they were in they were private citizens donating 50 a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> i'm talking hundreds of people Mm -hmm. and these are the and dude these are people that consider themselves fucking christians where are you where are you at when it comes to doing good works and helping people out man you want to build a wall but you can't donate you know and i'm not a pocket watcher i don't like when people do that shit either you know oh how, what's, what's lebron doing with his money how come he not helping and that's a whole nother subject i could go off on but if you consider yourself to be this christian person but you can't you can't give uh, to help poor people, you think that's some liberal bullshit? 
but you want to give $100,000 to build a wall. And hey, it's America. You can do what you want to do. I just think it's kind of funny and weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the, what's funny about uh, religion, period. And, I, and I've, uh, I'm like an atheist, but as I get older, I feel more Christian without any of the religious stuff. Like, I, dude, I'm married with a kid. I have a fucking a dog and a cat and two vehicles. Like, we're living a nuclear life, right? Like, we have a nuclear family. Right. We're doing everything that all of my Christian friends do. We just yeah. don't go to church. You're like a, and, a what they call a cultural Christian. Right, exactly. Which, And I've been atheist for a long time, but I'm like, I'm so not militant about it that I'm like, I, I, I totally, what we've done is even religious people have replaced their own religion with their politics. And especially right. atheists have replaced religion with politics. Yeah, that's, that's a very, very true, man. That's very true. Yeah. It's, we've, we've become, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause I, I remember like throughout my career, just meeting like uh, foreign nationals, you know, working with people from Afghanistan or wherever. And somehow politics would come up and they would get real skittish. Like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm like, what's, what's the big deal? She's like, Oh no, where I'm from, you can't talk politics. This will happen. And I go, man, I'm so glad I don't live in a country like that. And here we are 10 years later. And it's getting to the point where like, you have to be a closeted, Republican or a closeted, you know, liberal, depending on wh- wh- what your, uh, you know, your your work situation may be or your family. Or even situation. worse, even worse, if you're a liberal that's like a two A advocate, you have to be closeted about that because oh, that's yeah. even for liberals. It's I think it's almost worse to have like one issue that you disagree with, like the prevailing liberal opinion on, like right. gun control, uh, than to be just like a full blown conservative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy, dude. I had people like uh, I, I forgot what shooting happened, but there was a video of some older guy like cutting the barrel off his AR-15. He's like, I had this for thirty years, no more. I had people texting me like, dude, you should cut, you should cut your AR up. It can go viral. I was like, why would I do that? Send me fifteen hundred dollars and I'll do it. <laughs> I'll buy something better than I had, you know. I, I yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's very weird. It, it's that thing of like, if you're not for us on everything, you're against us, you know? I know. It's so, it's so authoritarian <laughs> on both sides. Like, I feel like I, I said this to my, my buddy, the same, uh, the same guy that he's the actuary. I said, uh, I do feel like we're headed closer to an authoritarian government. I just can't, I, I don't know what percent. I don't know which side it's coming from is my problem. And, so, yeah, and that's what I tell a lot of my conservative friends. You go, dude, I don't want to be no, you know, they, here's the thing. A lot of my, my conservative friends, they think it's socialism versus this perfect uh, democracy. It's like, no, dude, yeah. it, it would be socialism versus authoritarianism. That's what it would be. You're not going to get the worst of the left and then the best of the right. No. Right. I was like, dude, do you, I don't, dude, it, people, that's what really scares me about a lot of my conservative friends. I go, dude, y'all going to walk us right into a fucking authoritarian government because you think they're there to protect you. Because when this whole thing first started, you remember every like your conservative friends like, oh, I hear the military is going to come in and start knocking on doors and they want to see people's ID and find out that people are sick. They wanted to, they did not want to see the military in their neighborhoods at all. They were even the right people. They were almost anti uh, military. They don't want to. Yeah. They say they love the military, but they don't want to see the military patrolling their own streets and questioning them. But the moment all that shit popped off in D.C. 
and the military went out there, people were like, oh, thank God the military is there. I go, see, this is how they get you. Now, and then these riots happen, and you're begging for the military to come into your cities. I'm like, see, this is exactly what's going to happen. They'll come into the cities because you think they're they're protecting you from these uh, dangerous black people, you know? Now, mm-hmm. now you want them in your neighborhood because they think that you think they're there for you to protect you. Yeah, but, that's true. You know, and that's all they have to do. They, they create and dude, this is my whole thing. They'll be OK with the military having checkpoints in the streets because they think that they're there to protect them from all the other bad leftist and uh, Antifa people. And over time, we'll get used to that. Then they, they won't go away. And next thing you know, this and I feel like if gun control ever happens in America, it's going to come from the right. It's gonna because it'll it'll never happen from the left. Never. Now you get the military on the streets; they're patrolling everything, and some some sweet talking right wing guy go, "Hey, look, our military guys are being shot at. We we can't have that. You support the military. You don't need a gun. The military's there. If you have a gun, we don't want you to think you're a criminal. And the fact that it's coming from the right, these people go, you know what? You're right. Uh, But of course, you will have like those strong holdouts. Like those people, those are the guys I respect. Those militia people who go like, we are not racist. We are 100% here to protect American citizens, left or right. Those are the people that I respect. The where there's no color lines. They're there to protect the Constitution and protect people's rights, black, white, gay, straight. They don't give a shit. Those militia groups are, are far and few between, but they're out there. Those are the yeah. guys that I actually respect. Um, yeah, I think I think it's called, I mean, it's it's having principles versus these like shitty ever-changing policies right like i my i don't i'm not like i i don't let the democrats decide what i believe i fucking believe a thing and then maybe it mostly aligns with the democrats or it mostly aligns with the republicans or whatever right but like i would i wouldn't change what i believe like the the we we barely even heard about diane feinstein she did the same shit that these assholes in georgia did where she profited off of, uh, like pre, she had yeah. like pre knowledge of. Uh, oh, dude, of, they, they, it was insider trading, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's like, dude, when I when I saw that, and when I when I saw that it was uh when it was Diane Feinstein, I was like, oh, she's going down. And mm-hmm. then when I saw more of the story, and I was like, oh, there's a couple Republicans involved. I was like, you won't hear anything else about this shit. And like yeah. we were saying earlier, they're all in fucking bed to, with each other mm-hmm. because they know if if one goes down, they're all going down. They're yeah. all going down. Yeah, dude, that's shady. Why aren't people upset about that shit? They're, dude, they they knew about this shit. Dude, they're insider trading, making millions, and people are still defending these people. But if it was just the Georgia uh, Loeffler and Purdue, or if it was just Feinstein, I think there was another Democrat, but I can't remember their name. Yeah, they, the I story. think there were like four or five people, yeah. Yeah, but if it was just Republicans or just Democrats, We'd be hearing about it fucking constantly. All day long, bro. All yeah. day. But the fact that it's like, well, I guess it kind of cancels out because no one can really point the finger at, e- at each other. And they know like, hey, if you take me down, then you're going down. So what yeah. they do, they just walk away from it. They walk yeah. away from it. It's, are you uh, are you comfortable talking about sobriety before? I don't want to keep you for too long. Oh, so. no, I, dude, I'm, I'm willing to talk about anything. So but, you're yeah, in... You're almost at three years. I checked today on your uh, on your Twitter. I think you're close to three years, right? You're not yeah. quite at three years. Yeah. Uh, this has to have been the most. Well, I guess my first question is, did you quit drinking out of like a personal health thing, or did you have a yeah. problem? Um, you know what? That's a, that's a great question. I uh, I would I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic, but I was definitely drinking too much. 
Sure. I was definitely overindulging, you know? Sure. I was I was abusing alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. Right. And it's funny because a lot of my a lot of my comic friends, they go, You quit drinking, we never see you drink. Because the military had hammered home the don't get a DUI thing. So like uh you know, I go to most of my shows alone, so and I and I drive, so I wouldn't drink anything. Sure. So a lot of comics had never really seen me drink. So mm-hmm. they, they didn't even know I would drink. Or if they did see me drink, it would be very, very like first show, or I would get there before the show started and I would have one maybe two and two is pushing it. You know, if I know I'm going to be out till like two in the morning, I might have two early on. I'm talking about, I'm talking like seven and eight. I might have two, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I went to the doctor and he was like, Hey man, you, you know, your, 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 um, liver numbers don't look good. You know, you get, you starting to get a fatty liver and I have a, uh, very, uh, what they, uh, unrational fear, irrational fear of death. And hearing that scared the living shit out of me. So I was like, fuck this. I quit drinking um, for almost over a year. I only I, I only ate chicken, fish, vegetables, no salt. Um, Damn. No bread, no, no deli meat, no cheese, no rice, no potatoes. It was strictly just meats, vegetables. And as a snack, I would I started buying like this. Um. Um, it, it's like a gluten-free, I think, is it gluten-free, carb-free granola? Mm. Like it had no, you know, no oats or anything in it, no gluten in it at all. And I, I would, I would eat parfaits as a snack and, um, Damn. yeah, for, do over, for over a year. And, uh, I lost, you know, a bit of weight. I started feeling better and, and, um, uh, yeah, dude, I, I just, I had to do something. I was, I was depressed. I had anxiety. I was going to therapy as well. But, uh, yeah, I just, I felt better, man. My skin cleared up. I, I you know, it's it just, uh, it was tough, but I, I got through it now. I feel like I'm kind of coasting now, but full disclosure, I, I can't really say I'm sober, sober. I don't drink, drink, but I do smoke weed. Oh, okay. What yeah. do they call that? California sober, I think. Is what yeah. They call that. Cali sober. <laughs> but even that, I don't really put that out there like that. Cause my family doesn't really uh, like, like the fact that I, that I smoke. Sure. So um, I, I do because I, I was on antidepressants and I did not like that shit at all. I did not like oh, so it at all. So you were able to get off of them after quitting drinking. I just, t- I just, I just stopped taking them. I, I took them for a mm. couple of weeks and I was like, this makes me feel weird. I was like, I can't do this. And that's when I, that's when I really started hitting the gym. And I was like, oh, therapy in the gym and just eating better really worked for me. So that's um, cool. I, I, I know I really need to get back into therapy and stuff. But uh, and I really, I really want to stop smoking uh, weed for uh, next year. So, do you, do you think you smoke it? Because this is my thing with, I've never felt with alcohol. I have like a, I think a, my, I have a family that's got a lot of people without a healthy, that have an unhealthy relationship <laughs> with alcohol, and I at a time probably did, and I've like gotten it under control. Mm-hmm. So I drink, you know, maybe a couple nights a week, and a couple drinks a night not anything crazy but i never like i never drink medicinally right i'm never trying to like i've never i i don't have any other thing where i'm like well i need a fucking drink you know what i mean like i'm like oh there's a football game on it'd be fun to have a beer and watch a football game yeah i was like that and my thing is uh my thing was uh, like i didn't get to drink at the shows and stuff so uh because i love beer i love whiskey and what I would sure. do, like when I was driving home from D.C., I would make sure I would stop at the stores before they closed because I, I would get home pretty late. And 
it wasn't good because of the times I was drinking. I would get home at like one o'clock in the morning. I would stop at like a Sheets. I don't know if you guys have a Sheets or a Wawa out there. No, but, but I'm familiar. Yeah, so I would stop there. I would get like two tall boys. I'm talking about like some cheap shit that's like 400 mm-hmm. calories a piece. You know, you know, like a uh, like a um, like a, a 211 or some shit like that. This is some oh, awful yeah. malt liquor. <laughs> so I would go to Sheets. I would get a ham, a cheeseburger. I'll get some, you know, uh, cheese, uh, cheese sticks, French fries, a couple of beers. And I would get home and I would watch a couple of my shows and I would eat about 3000 calories at night and have a right. couple of beers and probably stay up later than you needed to. Right. Or and get up early in the morning and, and go to work and not getting a proper sleep. I'm not working out and I'm drinking a lot of this heavy shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was never really like a, a day drinker. I always waited until the afternoon until I was done doing what I needed to do. Yeah. And I, I would have uh, drinks, but there were times where I'm like, man, I really didn't need to drink seven beers tonight and friends would tell me like that's not an alcoholic because alcoholics drink 20 and 30 beers a night you sure. know i mean i, I mean I, I think that who gives a shit if it's an alcoholic I, I i like when i don't drink i feel better like i can make that connection in my head like 100 percent, 100 i uh i stopped like three or four years ago i made a rule that i will not have my first drink of the night until the last time i come off stage so like uh, the late show, whatever. And that's like, that's the, then I will have my first beer. Okay. And then maybe I will have a second beer kind of like you. And that is actually like the main reason is cause I would listen to sets and I'd be like, Oh dude, you missed a fucking, like Tag, you missed the punchline yeah. in your written joke or you missed, like you could have said something way funnier to that person in the audience. Right. But you like just doled just enough, right? Just enough to lose a couple miles off your fastball. And, uh, so I stopped doing that. And then also it's like kind of self-regulating because if you start drinking at six and you don't leave the club till midnight, that's, you know, that's six, seven beers pretty easily without yeah. getting too drunk. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. if it's a club where they know you and they, they know what you drink and they see, mm-hmm. cause when you got a, when you have like good, like green room staff, they see that beer or your, or your drink getting low and you go to the bathroom, you come back, boom, there's another one. It's like, oh shit, another yeah. setup, you know, and you yeah, go, my- ah, fuck it, I'll drink it. My home club, it was a real, uh, so I, I, work, I live in Tacoma, Washington at uh, Tacoma Comedy Club. Um, they're like great to comics. They free drinks for everybody, free food for everybody. Right, yep. And it was like a real fight to have, to like get the bartender who I'm friends with to stop pouring me a drink before the show, to like not walk in and have a drink at the bar uh, before the show started. You know, I that know, was like dude. a real. We'd have like an argument basically before, and then now he's cool. I mean, now it's fine, but uh, or they would. This is the thing that, that would get me is I'd be like three beers in, and they would have poured the like the wrong beer for somebody at some point, right? Uh-huh. And they would just leave it in the <laughs> for you. Yeah, you were that guy. Like, oh yeah, Casey likes beer. Yeah, get him over it. here. He'll yeah. drink this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was like it. that was funny. Uh, I mean, when it's free. And I'm like, you know, it's dangerous, a man. Partner. Yeah, it's yeah. dangerous. It's it's uh, dangerous. Yeah. When I when I was, you know, uh, living in Dayton and stuff and I was emceeing a lot, like I would walk in on the Thursday and my, my homegirl Molly was a bartender. She would see me walk in and then like I would walk, uh, you know, in that side door and go past the sidebar where they actually where they serve their waiters and stuff, you know, where they get mm-hmm. their drinks. And dude, my my uh, my shot of tequila would be right there. She knew she saw me. She would go, OK, he wants his tequila. Boom. And I would just walk in. What's up, Molly? Grab it. Go back to the green room. I mean, it becomes, a, a, a you know, like a, a routine. And yeah. you're right, dude. Like when you go, oh, I think I'm good. They go, come on, man. You don't want to drink. You're going to mess up your routine. You go, all right, give me the drink. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah. yeah, and I mean, luckily, I got to go back. It's not like I had to hide from the bartender the whole yeah. night. You know, that would, that would have been tough. But uh, It's fun, but yeah, dude, it is. It, you, you can start overdoing it, man. Yeah, well, trust me. I mean, my my uh, my waistline is, been, yeah, is I crying know. from the I feel you, brother. I'm there, too, man. I, I know what that's like. And same with the food. You know, you get a club that really yeah. likes the comics. Because a lot of clubs are like, oh, you get one meal. But when you work that one club, it's like, hey, y'all want something to go? You know, because you already had like a burger on the first show, then they make your wings to go, and you go out to a couple bars, have some, you know, have a couple pops out there. It might go to a diner. You know, that's Norman's thing. And then you get back to the hotel and you go, oh shit, I got these wings, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like when I'm drinking, I have like an, I have a bottomless pit. Like I, I can know. just eat forever. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yeah. yeah okay. I want to talk about one of your jokes before okay. I let you go. You have a joke about a friend that has a trans kid. What about this, right? I have a friend of mine. His, 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 uh, his child is in high school. They're trans. And another friend of ours was like, man, I don't even know why he entertaining that shit. That trans. I was just like, dude, you've been entertaining the fact that your son is a basketball player for 15 years. <laughs> that nigga is terrible. <laughs> He's entertaining it because he loves his kid. You should love your child and say, nigga, you suck at basketball and quit. And my friend with the trans kid doesn't ask me to come watch his son sit the bench at a fucking basketball game. <laughs> Uh, that you have on your YouTube, so I'm not just blowing up uh, a joke of yours that right. isn't shared with the world. Right. It's uh, it's a very funny joke. It's I'm what I wonder about it is it's very very like it does it it checks all the boxes to be like an okay joke in my opinion, meaning it doesn't like make fun of trans people in any people way. People still get pissed. That's my question because I have a joke that literally it's like so my this is a very stupid joke, but it's about uh. Master, Shr it's a uh, about the Ninja Turtles are middle aged now, and like uh, Leonardo's a Trump supporter, Donatello's gay, nobody ever cares about that. Uh, Michelangelo uh, runs a marijuana dispensary, and uh, Raphael has a DUI, and he owes April O'Neil child support money. And then when they're done laughing, I go, and Master Shredder's transitioning. And if it's a country crowd or like a conservative crowd, they laugh. Liberal crowd, they don't. And I'll go either way. I'll go. Come on, she's a really nice lady now, which to me is like a little bit progressive, right? There's, like, no, there's nothing I, wrong with that at all. I know, but it's just the mention because I even changed the pronoun. Like I feel like that is it's a, actually kind of a woke joke. At it the is. End of it. It's a it's a it's a pro trans joke. I don't see yeah. what. Yeah, but people... exactly. And your joke is too, by the way. And I'll, I'll I, maybe I'll just uh, play it on the like in before this oh, part. Please. So yeah, that's that's fine. Talking. But um, but I think your so your joke one. Is it true? Is the story true? Uh, partially, yes. I do have a friend that has a a, a trans daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the other part of it is is it's, funny. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's it's true in the sense of like, I have a friend that has a trans daughter, and I also have friends who have said that shit. We're like, why sure. is he entertaining that shit? But it it wasn't like all of us together. And this happened. It, it, it's it's like I'm having this conversation over here. I have a friend in this situation, and this is how I feel, and I kind of brought it all, all together in, into one to one thing yeah. so mike what what where do they get upset about it and what do they say when they get upset just mentioning trans so it's but it's it's not like in my experience it's never conservatives that get so i had a lady come up to me after a show one time and i was like i've i've rarely get approached after a show when people don't like a joke i presume a lot of people don't like some of my jokes but uh this lady came up and she's like 
you know, that trans joke. And I was like, fuck, I got to drop it. Cause if this lady's going to complain about it, I can't, I can't have it. And she goes, my daughter's trans. And I'm just so happy that you made that joke. I'm going to tell her about it because like people are so scared to make jokes about it. And it was obviously very much like, and I was like, holy shit, this is like a very nice, you're like a perfect audience member lady. But that's not the case when you go into like, you know, Seattle's considered very progressive, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they bristle at the saying Donatello's gay, uh, which is like I'm not even saying. Call him out. Not, go, what you? What do you? What do you? What do you? Tra- what, what are you? you homophobic? You, you homophobic? <laughs> Why can't Donatello be gay? Yeah. No. For sure. That's like that's actually a great idea. Yeah. But, that's dude. That's what you have to do to liberals, man. You got to call them out on their bullshit. Like, oh. You, but I'm tra- never worried about the audience. Like, I can. I have like a like a couple kind of racial jokes, and I had a. There's a club in Seattle. If you ever come out, uh, I don't even know if it's going to be open after the pandemic, to be honest with you. But the Comedy Underground is like our most famous club out here. Oh, yeah. It's not, our best, out there, yeah. It's not our best club by far. But I was cool. telling a joke. It's like a nine-minute story about me visiting Atlanta. And the guy went behind a brick wall to order a drink because they were understaffed for uh, like the wait staff. And the bar is behind a brick wall. So he goes in like two minutes into the joke. And he comes out at the end of the joke. and with that context, it sounded like I was racist, like in the joke. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't, and so that guy complained to the manager, but that's fine. A person complaining to the manager at a club, they all know. But what I'm worried about is comedians coming after me for that joke. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um, I've had comics say, oh, you can't tell that. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely can. It is, it is typically white, like white liberal women, and I definitely don't take any shit from them. And I'm a liberal <laughs> dude, but it's yeah. just like I know you. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. You're white. You're using white privilege to silence a black voice. And dude, they shrink. They don't know what to say. They don't oh, know what to say. Great. They don't know what to say, man. And the thing is, I'm on the I'm on their side most of the time. But it's like, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. But I'll I'll say this. I used to think that like uh, like conservatives were better crowds, but they get butt hurt about things too. It's just like if you took a Venn diagram, what they care about and what liberals care about, they don't overlap. Because I've seen shows where somebody will make a, a gay joke, and you know it's 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 low hanging fruit, but it gets a laugh, and somebody go, hey, you can't do that, or like you know one person will boo, and they'll go, you know, somebody, oh, shut up, you, this is a comedy club, stop being sensitive. And then 10 minutes later, somebody will tell a Trump joke. And that same guy's like, hey, man, we didn't come here for this shit. It's like, dude, yeah. 10 minutes ago, you were telling somebody to stop being sensitive. They don't like they don't like abortion jokes. They don't like racial jokes where white people are racist. You know, they don't they don't like a lot of shit, too. They don't. Yeah, That's true. I mean, I think that they like they are less they are offended by less things or at least uh, less things that I say specifically. That's like uh, I've no. Like, I would actually say that a conservative audience and a black crowd are similar in that they are the biggest thing that's important is that it's funny. Right. They get the and, context to a degree. Yes. More. Yeah. So. I think. But also, like, I have a couple jokes about uh, having a cat that fucking bomb in front of black audiences. Uh, like literally, <laughs> I forgot a cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had Miss Pat told me I've, I've never felt smaller. She is great, man. She's great. She's fantastic. And her, by the way, her crowd is like a bunch of me out there. It's like oh a bunch yeah, of dude. She's got a, yeah. They love her, man. People yeah, but love I, I went Pat. out there. I was actually, you know, it's funny. It was a weekend. Uh, they booked me and a guy named Zoltan who lives in San Diego. Is that the hot guy Zoltan? I heard he was yeah. like kind of hot with a beard or some shit. Yeah, or? he's a, he's a little hot. He fucks a little bit. Uh, I think he's actually I don't think he does anymore. I think he's in a long term relationship okay. now. But so I worked with him in Tacoma with Joe List. 
Okay. And and uh, it was a split weekend, so Joe went to Spokane for the oh, second okay, half that of the weekend, weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and Miss Pat came to uh to Tacoma. Right. And so I guess like that's got to be a strange pairing to find openers that work with both those people, right? Oh yeah. Because Joe is very different from Miss Pat, and uh, Miss Pat came to. It was the first time I ever had Chick Fil A because I was boycotting Chick Fil A, and Miss Pat brought Chick Fil A into the green room, and she's like, "They gave me spicy. You're eating this because I don't eat spicy." And I was like, "Okay, ma'am, I will do whatever you want. Uh, I I will not <laughs> tell you no. You intimidate me quite a bit." And uh, anyway. I did my set the first night and I had done like, I was trying to show the club that I could feature. So I did two different, completely different host sets. Right. And I had all of the like kind of racial stuff with Joe and then all of the like other stuff because I didn't want to step on. Joe doesn't do any racial stuff, right? Not really. And she, so I did like all of the whitest shit that I have with Miss Pat and she comes, she goes, do all of you fucking white boys have jokes about cats? Because. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because uh, the comic that was in Spokane with her also had like three minutes on having a cat <laughs> and had it on a shirt and all that stuff. So uh, That sounds familiar, a cat shirt. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know who that was. Yeah, he dude, was, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's weird, man. You know? Yeah. It, it's, yeah it's weird how you, you get paired up with different people and, yeah, you got to adjust. And, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun doing that, you know? It's mm-hmm. fun. Do you regret making that choice or what? Uh no, I mean I, the next booking I got from the club was featuring so oh, Miss nice, Pat yeah. can hate me all she wants. Uh, I uh, and I mean also Miss Pat was never like Miss Pat is like has her own kind of like fucking orbit, and I was never gonna be. It's not like I was ever gonna open for Miss Pat, right? Right. Like, okay. She's a really nice lady, but she's you know, she's like a thing. Like I don't know how to explain. Like she's no, got I know like what you mean. yeah, she's got a presence, and oh, uh, yeah. I don't think I'm fucking part of it. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, you don't think it would be a good match. Yeah, you don't see her like, hey, you should go on a road, Casey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I did spend uh, the entire weekend uh, manually typing in credit cards on her iPad because she didn't have a square reader. Uh, And her getting getting mad at me because I was going too slowly. Like, I was like, she was my manager at a fucking fast food restaurant. That's hilarious. That might be a bit in itself. Yeah. She gotta get a fucking Venmo, man. What are you doing, Miss Pat? <laughs> That's what I do. I just get, I just pull up my Venmo or my Cash App thing, and people, you know, scan it. That's fucking hilarious. You're punching in credit card numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I could be just stealing them. I could be just typing them into her notepad. I and, know. Yeah, I've, uh, I've done that for for comics too, man. Just all this extra labor you got to do. Dude, when I when I've emceed. Like, if I'm featuring and selling merch, I'm going to be as accommodating as I can be, but I'm there to make some money. Right. Uh, if I'm emceeing, dude, I'm doing everything. I'm Taking fucking, pictures? I'll take pictures? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I tell some of these dude, like guys that I know. Um, like, if, every, every once in a while, like in D.C., I might, like, if I'm featuring for somebody, I might have a buddy that's, you know, getting to, getting to emcee for, like, his maybe second or third time. And after the show, they, they just want to stand around. I'm like, hey, dude, the, you got to work. It's like, you're the MC. Like, you need mm-hmm. to be asking, you know, this guy, hey, you need help getting shirts. You need to be taking pictures. It's like, you're not done. You don't get to stand around and fucking shake hands. No one cares about you. You're here to yeah. take pictures and and get this line out of here as quick as possible. Like, that's where you find your worth as an MC When you can help uh, headliners wrap people up that are talking too long about the merch or their podcast, you go, hey, man, we got a long line, man. We got we to gotta keep this going. And it takes yeah. the pressure off of them. And, you know, nobody can really yell at the MC. It's like, I'm just doing my job, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's also the person they're going to remember the least, right? So when yeah, they see him again, they're not even going to remember that was the e- guy. Exactly, dude. It's like, yeah, you, you did a work as an MC, man. It's like, I know this is cool, and you're kind of starstruck because you get to work with Norman or Liston. I'm, I'm not saying you, but just guys in general. It's like, dude. Oh, dude, Joe List is my favorite comedian. I, yeah, work, I love Joe. I, I MC there every fucking time because he's always, like, he uh, he brought Sarah Tolomash last time, which mm-hmm. was cool. I probably, like, was at a level where I could have featured for him, but I would rather... I would rather work with him every time he's here and MC every time than like only get to do it every couple of years. Cause, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. That, that dude is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like, I mean, I actually, that's kind of a, maybe a fun question to wrap it up on because okay. I know about you because of their podcast, Tuesdays with stories. They talk about you a decent amount. Do you listen to the podcast? Oh, dude, I love Tuesdays, man. <laughs> okay. Love- is it surreal? I've been mentioned on there twice and yeah, on Joe's podcast no you don't you yes, don't remember do. me you might remember dude, me if you that's why I, re- I remember about the split weekend when they were they would come out and do spokane do, and do oh, okay because yeah. you just thought you were like oh yeah that hot guy casey that that must be no the- i remember him missing his zoltan <laughs> and you yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah that's that but the one that he did uh he mentioned me on mindful metal jacket when he was talking to tommy jonigan which who's another one of my favorites and uh it was like fucking surreal sitting i'm like like eating breakfast in the morning like what the fuck is this like my favorite comic is talking about a zoom show we did together uh oh yeah it's it's cool is it yeah is it do you like that do you like having your name like do you because here's what i think you're playing it really cool right now but it's got to be kind of cool to have comedians that you respect talk about you but i I mean it's cool i uh i don't know man It, it it is cool i i can't i can't deny that uh, I'm, to be honest, I'm glad I, I am in a, in a place, in a headspace where I am now to where I'm not like super young and like to the point where like I'm, I'm taking the clips out and posting them and sharing them, you know, <laughs> even though, you know, people, you have the right to do that. You should be proud. But like, uh, you know, uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't do that, but yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, you know? Yeah, it is. There is, I never did that, but I did get, uh, the first time Joe mentioned me on Tuesdays with stories. He, I had like multiple people go, holy shit, like, like send me messages. And I was oh, like, oh yeah, it's awesome. It would, what would be way cooler is if I was like, oh no, I hadn't heard it actually. But yeah, of course I <laughs> fucking like, I'm a, like a 9 PM Pacific time download, dude. Like when it comes out, that's my, my favorite podcast. And oh yeah, you're lucky. You get the night. Yeah. You get a 9 PM Monday. Dude. I listen to it almost every Monday night. Like, uh, my wife goes to sleep and I'm up doing shit. And, uh, it's like one of those rare moments as a dad during this time where you have any fucking alone time. Right. And I spend it listening to that podcast. Yeah. I like to listen to it when I wake up in the morning, I like to lay in the bed and like listen to half of it. And then I'll get up and finish, you know, getting him ready for school and stuff. And then I'll listen to, uh, you know, uh, the rest of it. But it's just like every Tuesday I'll get a couple people like, yo, he, they said this, did you hear the pod yet? It's just like, <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, man. But you know, I, I I appreciate Mark doing that because I mean he's mentioned me on other podcasts, and I, it, it's cool because like I'll have people from high school like send me clips like, "Yo, he said your name on Jim and Sam," he or he mentioned you on Rogan. He said this on this, you know. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool, man. I I and I tell him him and Joe a lot. I go, "Thank you so much for you know mentioning me because it's it's helped me out a lot." And and dude, Mark's helped me out so much the last three years, man. I've gotten to meet so many cool people. He's opened so many doors for me and uh, he let me, you know, experience the level of comedy that I wanted to experience. But on the the path I was on, I was probably never going to see it, you know, but yeah, getting to hang out with him and and going to the cellar, 
and meeting people and you know just it, it, dude I, i've been very very lucky man i've gotten to work with colin quinn and oh, uh, you know so you know quinn i worked with quinn before uh sam J. um you know She's ari great. jim norton I, I've, I've been very fortunate to work with a, a lot of really good new york guys so when i go to new york you know i i get to hang out and and, and really soak in like new york comedy you know, and, and going there and being a fucking peon is something that I really love. Just going to the cellar, just knowing, like, don't even think about asking to get up. It's not mm -hmm. going to happen. Seeing Goldman, seeing Schumer, seeing, you know, just all, you know, Nick DiPaolo when he's up there is, is crazy seeing him. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Leslie Jones getting to meet Che. Dude, it, it's been surreal. It's been insane being cool with Big J. It's dude, mm -hmm. it's it's pretty amazing, and getting to work with a tell, it's fucking, it's insane, man. Yeah, and I'm that's, very, that's I'm very really cool. I'm very thankful for it, man. I'm I'm very thankful. You know, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for Mark. I, I appreciate I, it. Every... You really reached the highest heights. The... Oh, dude, dude, I don't, man. It's it's hey, it's, it's something, man. I I appreciate anybody reaching out. I appreciate you know them them giving me. You know, uh, th this is an opportunity because of them, uh, and I appreciate. Oh, let me it. tell you an embarrassing ego thing that happened to me then, because oh, I boy. mess or I I tweeted at you like two weeks ago to do my podcast. Oh, I do. I deleted it, and I deleted it because you didn't respond. Dude, you know what happened? I dude, I, I saw that. I was like, oh yeah, I want to do it, but something happened. And dude, I've been scrolling through my re my replies, and I'm like, no what? Dude, I'm not lying, dude. <laughs> you're the reason why I tweeted out who wants to do a podcast because I didn't so because funny. I didn't want to say, hey, somebody asked me to do their podcast, oh, that's and funny. I forgot. Don't do to any of the other people that asked then? Just me, you, just fucking dude. Dude, you the were the only one, and I, I was too embarrassed to say who was the guy who asked me to do their podcast. I'm a fucking oh, nobody, funny. man. That's yeah, funny. the fact that you deleted it is hilarious. Cause, I, dude, I was like, "What happened to this tweet?" That's I couldn't. Fucking so funny. <laughs> okay, uh, before I let you go, that's hilarious. I really appreciate all your time. Yeah, man. Can you can you say the name of your podcast so I can just put oh, it in? Boy, to... <laughs> I just want to put your voice saying it and not my voice. Saying it's, it. Hey, this is Casey. Listen to Chris's <laughs> Negro, please. It's it's Negro, please. Radio. Uh, it comes out every Friday. It's twenty twenty minutes. And uh, yes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, iTunes, all that shit. And I do a live AMA show. Uh, he got answers, but most people, because I'm nobody, they don't ask ask questions. So I talk about aliens and all kind of weird shit. It's just another opportunity for me to kind of maybe stumble upon material and uh, interact with people. So. All right, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Chris Allen. I thought it was really good. Go listen to his podcast, watch his stand-up clips, subscribe to him on YouTube. Uh, he's got a really fun YouTube web show. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's really good. I've watched uh, a couple episodes when he had comics on that I liked, and it's really fun. It's I think it's just uh, like a ask me anything is the format, and he does it live, so you can ask questions or go nuts. Uh, ask him. Uh, or or go nuts when it's over. That's something I don't know. I don't know why I said go nuts. I'm tired, everybody. I'm tired. My my daughter has been without daycare for so we have had one and a half months of daycare since March started. And my wife and I are both working full time jobs. Um and it's just absolutely it's stressful. I slept ten hours yesterday, which is unheard of 
since my daughter's been born, and still I just feel like exhausted. I'm considering, actually, by the way, this is a, I came to this conclusion without thinking about Chris Allen, but I might quit drinking for a bit. Um, not because I think I have a quote-unquote drinking problem. I think I have a pretty healthy relationship with alcohol. But what I've noticed is uh, life is miserable <laughs> right now. And I first off, I only like to drink when I'm happy. It's the only time it's fun. I don't I've never been a I've never been the kind of a person that leaves like a stressful week of work and is like, fuck, I need a drink. I'm a like let's enhance uh, like a hang. You know what I mean? Let's enhance a hang with some beers. There's like a ritual to it that I like. And certainly I have I have drunk for effect in my life. Don't get me wrong, but anymore it's like all i'm getting out of it is the taste which i like i like the taste i like the ritual but i I don't really enjoy the buzz anymore and then i get this like i mean here's the thing life is miserable right now yeah like i don't think i have clinical depression but 2020 is depressing so if i can do anything to reduce the amount of depression that i'm feeling obviously i think i should do that I mean, don't, don't worry about me. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, I'm tr- what I'm trying to say is that I think I'm going to do it because it's like, we don't have control over everything that's depressing us right now. Right. If this were a normal time and I was, you know, we got to go see all of our families freely and live our lives as normal. Uh, maybe I'd want to go hang out at a brewery with my family, but we can't do that shit right now. So, and I want to do comedy and I want to uh, leave my house. I got, I got the first alone time in my house of any kind since mm, like, I think maybe June last weekend. And it felt like it flew by. I've otherwise been with my daughter or or, uh, with both my daughter and my wife the whole time. It's, it's just a... It's a stressful and grating time. So I'm probably going to drink some beers. I'm going to probably reduce. I'll, I'll, ease, I'll ease her back uh, through the holidays. And then the problem is when I used to smoke and chew. And I, I think for smoking and chewing. By the way, again, I'm not quitting alcohol permanently. But this is one thing that I... I think is that we, when you assign a lot of ceremony to the quitting process, like I'd be like, this is my last cigarette. My last cigarette always had to coincide with me going to sleep. It always had to coincide with finishing a pack. So that at that point, what I'm saying is like, I am celebrating my last cigarette. Well, can I tell you what is true of someone who is, celebrating who's who's honoring and eulogizing their last cigarette is that person is not ready to quit smoking they're not ready to quit chewing tobacco um and so i kind of i mean i guess i'll probably drink on new year's but like what the fuck are we doing for new year's this time around like it's it's just there's nothing to do i did sign up for this website called gig salad and 
I think I'm still in the running for a, I put a pretty high bid on a New Year's show. I think I'm still in the running for it. So anyway, let's talk briefly about sports before I get off this fucking podcast and go to sleep. Um, the Native Americans, the Native Americans. Wow. Wow, everybody. Falling apart. The Cleveland Indians have decided they're going to change their team's nickname. Uh, there are Native Americans that are very happy about it. And they also say that it's it's not enough for the team to just change their nickname. Uh, this always reminds me of, every time one of these stories comes around, it reminds me of this thing. Uh, Washington football team owner, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, uh, which I only say because I used I, I actually have been trying to do the football team, call them the football team for many years. I've probably I've probably aired many times, but they did a poll, and it said only ten percent of Native Americans are offended by our name. And that was evidence that they should be allowed to keep their name. How many, what percentage of the country do you think is offended by the name Mariners or Seahawks or the Brooklyn Nets? Or these are just, uh, that's just the team that we talked about. The New York Giants. These are teams that we talked about on the podcast. Like, nobody should be offended by your team name. <laughs> do you understand? Like, that's that's not good evidence. This is like the people who are like, this pandemic has a 95% survival rate. We should open our country back up. Do you realize that 5% of this country is 16 million people? And if everyone got this goddamn virus, there'd be 16 million bodies on this virus? Come on. It's getting bad out there, by the way. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. We all knew this was going to happen, right? Like, we all assumed that the flu season was going to be worse, and it was. Uh, Finally, the last thing I want to talk about briefly, because I was going to talk about today's Ravens and Browns game, but I don't know. I don't have the energy. Fuck it. Carson Wentz got benched, which I don't really care about that, but I think it's it's it brings up a good point. Uh, it brings up a... An interesting thing about NFL quarterbacks, which is benching a quarterback is not a small thing. If the Philadelphia Eagles cut Carson Wentz next year, they will be penalized $59 million against the cap. If they keep Carson Wentz next year, he will cost them $34 million against the cap. So it's cheaper for the Eagles to keep him than to cut him or trade him. If they do, if they cut him or trade him the next year, he will cost them $24 million in penalties versus $31 million in, in cap space. So it's a $7 million difference. Two years from now, it's a $7 million difference. Next year, it's a $25 million loss. So one of the benefits of starting a young quarterback is that you get them in their in their rookie contract. You get them while they're cheap, while they're not taking up a lot of cap space. And you lose that if you decide to... You don't get that 
you don't lose it, but you don't get it if you decide to start Jalen Hurts uh, long-term. Which is unfortunate because maybe Jalen Hurts is the right guy for the job, but this is why teams are compelled to keep their starters. And I think Doug Peterson fucked up. Not because I think that Carson Wentz is certainly a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts is a rookie. There's no pressure. He's not a, a... He didn't get drafted incredibly highly. In fact, I was I was talking to my uh, my sister's boyfriend today, who is a an Eagles fan. What well, Jalen Hurts I think was a second round pick. Where do I Jalen Hurts? Second round, second round pick by the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts was like not an NFL prospect two years ago. He got benched in the championship game for Tua Tungavailoa. Uh. He went to Oklahoma. Were it not for Lamar Jackson and the NFL going through another and probably their most successful attempt to make these kind of run-first quarterbacks successful, uh, Jalen Hurts is like a like a Eric Crouch type, probably. Like, a, but Eric Crouch is, I think, won the Heisman Trophy at at Nebraska. It was just never really like. I think he maybe even played receiver, like. Was never did Eric? Oh yeah, I think Eric Crouch played receiver. Is that right? Or am I mixing that up? Let's see, Eric Crouch, NFL. Ooh, he played in NFL Europe. One of the last, one of the last guys to play in NFL Europe. I got my headphones wrapped around my chair. Nobody cares. Did he play receiver? What'd you do? What did you do, Eric Crouch? Oh no, he he played uh played quarterback in the CFL. Yeah, oh yeah, he did play receiver in the NFL. St. Louis Rams, that's what I thought. So anyway, without Lamar Jackson, I I said this to to my my sister's boyfriend today. I said without like Jalen Hurts might owe Lamar Jackson millions by the time his career is up because without Lamar Jackson, there might not be as much interest in Jalen hurts. And without Russell Wilson, there might not be as much interest in Kyler Murray, short guys run first guys. So again, like I don't think there was a ton of external pressure to, to get Jalen hurts up. Um, but now the Eagles have put themselves in a tough position because by benching Carson Wentz, you lose. He's got no, he's probably got no trade value. He's probably got negative trade value right now. So not only would to get rid of him, uh, you'd have to give him up for essentially free. You might have to, to take on some of his salary even because I think a decent chunk of I'm hiccuping and burping into the mic. It's all falling apart in the pandemic, everybody. It's not good. So his salary next year is fifteen point four million. His cap number uh to the Eagles is thirty four million. If he gets traded, I think only the fifteen point four million goes to the other team goes to another team. But if if the NFL has decided that Carson Wentz is not a starting caliber quarterback. Nobody's going to want to pay that $15 million. So 
it was a risky decision by the Eagles to start Jalen Hurts. And they might have fucked up, not, again, not because Jalen Hurts is the worst decision, but there's no pressure to start a rookie second-round quarterback, and you've probably sapped every bit of value that Carson Wentz has. And now that Jalen Hurts has won a game, you'd look like a real asshole putting Carson Wentz back in. And the deal is, you got to pay these quarterbacks. You have to pay them. There is a finite amount of quarterbacks in the NFL. NFL teams field at least 64 quarterbacks to to fill their first and second string spots. Some teams, I think teams are carrying four quarterbacks right now. But there's like 20 good ones. There's like 20 playoff caliber quarterbacks. I'm not I don't I'm not even saying that Carson Wentz is one of them. But what I'm saying is is that you don't just replace it's very hard to replace the starting quarterback. So the Eagles might be fucked. I think it's an interesting decision. Unfortunately, Jalen Hurts is not going to be afforded with the Eagles will not be able to surround Jalen Hurts with the same quality of player that the Seahawks. Did I say the, the Eagles? Or did I say the Seahawks before? The, the Eagles will not be able to to put the quality around Jalen Hurts the same as the Seahawks put around Russell Wilson. The Ravens have been able to put around Lamar Jackson. That the Cardinals will be able to put around Kyler Murray because they'll have this Wentz contract. They'll have a a top five quarterback contract hanging around in some form for the next couple of years. So even if Jalen Hurts is the guy, the quarterback position is going to cost the Eagles, you know, something like $60 million over the next two years. Probably a little bit more than that. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's a fuck up. I think it's a mistake. Okay. I don't know what else to say. I'm tired. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, everywhere, at the Casey McLean. Subscribe to my YouTube. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. You know she wants a podcast to listen to. I have, by the way, already recorded some interviews coming up, some great podcasts on the way. So jump on board now. All right. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>